The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bloom, episode 30, our second episode of the week, talking baseball HQ forecaster. Really looking forward to another one. The first one was pretty darn awesome with Corbin and Jock. we got three HQers on today to talk about their written work, their essay work in the forecast. We're going to space it out. They each get about 20 to 25 minutes or so, give or take, where the conversation goes. And we're going to talk about their their uh, articles and much, much more. But before we get there, I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick, and my host is always on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan, how are we doing, my friend? Uh, we're, we're hanging in there. It's been, a, it's been a day in, 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 in real life. The, the, the local schools are closed. So daycare is closed and we're, um, we're, we're making do here. And of course, podcast is high priority yep. up there with, up there with kids. So, um, so we're able to do the show and I'm excited, man. Uh, yeah, last show was awesome. Corbin and Jock were, were excellent. Uh, the bar has been set high. I think we'll, we'll, we'll clear it. We'll clear yep. it today. So I, I like these two shows in one week. We got a nice flow going. I love I love this show. Before I enter to our first guest, like two seconds here. I love this one especially because most people look at any uh, draft guide in theory, let alone the forecaster, to look at players, player analysis. That's what they look for. So the boxes. But what's cool about the the, the forecaster? We kind of talked about in the last one, Ryan, about the encyclopedia at the front and whatnot. And there's these essays from very, very qualified writers, some with HQ, some contributing outside. So this podcast will be about three of the writers wrote essays. And one of the writers, of course, who we're going to introduce right now, uh, did some player pages and boxes as well, which is cool. But he wrote a really, really good essay we're going to talk about called The Benefits of Structured Drafting and Rotisserie Leagues. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Dan Marcus. Daniel Marcus, how are we doing, my man? Good, good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk baseball. Yeah, this is this is going to be a blast. Um, it, it's fun to see, like I said, the written content in there. It's like an extra plus to a lot of uh, 
I feel bad saying draft guy. It's not a draft guy, but people know what I'm trying to say when it's your preseason draft prep book. So uh, it, it's it's fun to see that written content. So before we dive into this, I know you do some other written content as well. How how'd the last season go for you, writing wise? What did you like gain out of it, and what fun took place in 2022 for you? Yeah, writing wise, it was uh, busy. I do some work at RotoWire as well. Um, so between the two, uh, Baseball HQ and RotoWire, I was uh, <laughs> busy. Uh, did a lot of work um, at Baseball HQ specifically. I do uh, two playing time tomorrow, two divisions of that. Uh, NL Central, I'm a Pirates fan, unfortunately, so that one's uh, easy to follow for me. And then I've gotten to know the NL West uh, equally sorry. well um, over the past couple of years. So that's been uh good and then i also um got the opportunity to start jumping into some facts and flukes columns as well so nice. uh busy times yep it was a good time though. that's that's like the old bloomfield path i had yeah i had um i think up until like five years ago i had the nl west playing time tomorrow and then i moved to facts and flukes um i never did never did two divisions at once plus facts that that's that's a lot man yeah i didn't i wasn't on full-time i was uh rotating i think someone might have fallen out of the rotation or something like that so i was only doing those once a month um but yeah the the two playing time columns was enough to keep me busy so that's where you're supposed to go bloomfield i'm coming for your job speculate i got a long way to go for that (laughs) (laughs) oh that's good stuff it's always great work over there so it's uh it's fun to hear that you're Grinding on like we all do, but the fun thing over here to talk about is your article, your essay, the benefits of structured drafting and roto leagues. And we don't have to give everything away. Obviously, we'll talk about pretty much all of it, but people do need to go get the forecaster. We talk about it all the time. But kind of like, what's the the idea behind this essay? What are we? Uh, what did you learn? I guess through this essay. Yeah, um, it's kind of what what I learned and what I hope to do with it next. It's kind of a two part answer. So perfect. Uh, 30 word in fantasy baseball circles, but I actually got the idea from fantasy football. Um, so, you know, talking about structured drafting, uh, it's, you know, a huge topic in fantasy football. Um, I didn't think of it, you know, necessarily being as big in uh, fantasy baseball, but, you know, with different kind of strategies popping up that have been a lot of uh, preseason discussion, you know, um, pocket aces, closers early, speed only, uh, guys early, uh, those types of strategies. It kind of gave me the idea of, you know, like we talk about zero or RB and fantasy football, stuff like that. Can that, does anything like that translate to fantasy baseball? Um, so just kind of got that idea. Um, and then, you know, tried to think of some of the strategies that, that people, you know, debate in fantasy baseball and tried to see, you know, what, what I could come up with, uh, in terms of if there is a discernible advantage and where that might come from. Yeah, when, when looking at your, your essay, I really enjoy just even right out the gate here because you mentioned the different strategies and people talk about it a lot, you know, take pitchers early, take hitters early, certain hitters, certain pitchers like you're talking about, different structures. And you even break down over like the last four years and 12 and 15 teams, just the percentages on on what took place before you even dig into um, kind of what worked and what didn't because there's been a lot of really good work done showing that, hey, you need an ace or two. That's just kind of like what it's going to be. But it's not always the end-all be-all because before Phil Dussault did his magical year two years ago, pocket aces never won, never won an overall competition. So it's like it's it's like it might do really well to win a league, but can it do the whole thing? And so you you have all these different things breaking down. Uh, when you did some of your your research on this, what did you find to maybe be I guess the best way, or maybe there's a couple that are pretty good ways 
to uh, maybe start out your draft that seemed pretty successful? Yeah. Um, so first, I just want to um, it's it's in the article, but I do want to just start with a disclaimer, kind of, first of all, which is kind of what what the data that I have can and cannot tell us, because um, I don't want people to either hear this or read it and think one thing when that's not really kind of what we have yet. Um, so it's not like a win rate type uh, data yet because I only used league winners uh, from Rotowire Online Championship Leagues and main event champ, uh, league champions. Um, obviously, to get a win rate, you need to get all the teams from all those leagues. Um, we, we, would I, need, I, we would need several Dan Marcuses to, to, <laughs> to be able to uh, manually do all that. Yeah. yeah, in an ideal world, I would love to find a way to do that. I think that would be, you know, awesome. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it, it takes a good amount of time just to do the league winners, um, yeah. to map all that out. So, you know, I, that's a long-term, it's still a long-term goal. I don't know if I'll ever reach it, but it is kind of something I want to do. So I just want to be clear. It's not like a win rate type yeah. thing. Um, so, but someone, you know, when I, when this, it got published originally on baseball HQ before drafts, uh, 2022 drafts, um, and someone in the comments, uh, people had a lot of interesting comments and I mean that I actually mean that in a positive way. I'm not being sarcastic. Um, I actually do. Mean that usually the comment zone is pretty <laughs> So yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah not, I actually not, do. not an HQ. We got, we got good people. We got well, good, that's because yeah, they're subscribers. Right. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. It's not the, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do mean that positively. And, and someone asked like, basically, do you think this is just like showing the trends, uh, of how people draft, which to an extent I think it does. Um, but I do think it gives more than that so i mean for example um you could i didn't have the chance to do it before but i was thinking about you know the like for closers for example you know if they give you if a certain percent of league winners have at least one closer well how many closers are going inside the top five rounds and then you can kind of do that math uh so how many teams could possibly have one closer based on the adp and then if you're if the number of league winning um teams has drafted a closer is higher than that percentage, then you can discern that there's at least some advantage in doing that. Um, so that's like one example that I was thinking about. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think um, I'm trying to pull up the exact numbers again here, um, but um, closers, I think are uh, a major thing that has been on the rise. You can see particularly in 15 teams, that number is rising um where there's at least one closer being taken and i mean that was i know that was a main i think it was ron who led off with that in the uh, last year's forecaster if i have that correct talking about how saves have been distributed so i mean i think that lines up with a lot of the information that we kind of have in the community as a whole so that's one example yeah, it was wild. Um, so, just to just real quick, just to like, um, and and I, I want to make sure too to what you were saying to Dan about like this isn't win rate. This is the this is the percentage of winning teams that had this roster build. So like, because I've got the numbers in front of me with the closers, the the number of fifteen. So in the main event, the number of league winning teams um, that drafted a reliever in the first five rounds was twenty one percent in twenty eighteen, thirteen percent in twenty nineteen. And this really stuck out to me. And then I'm glad we did the 2022 update at the end of this. In 2021, that number jumped to 40%. And then last year, it was 51%. So if I'm understanding it right, 51%, basically half the league winners 
in the main event last year drafted a closer in the first five rounds is that is that the right way to to take that data right yeah Yeah. and then basically what i was trying to say i don't know if i articulated it very well but basically what i was trying to say is then if you go back and look at the adp basically if there were less than i mean that's kind of a tough number with 15 teams but basically if there were less than seven closers taken in what would be the top uh what 75 then you could say that there was some type of advantage in doing that um that you're gaining you know some type of advantage so then that could be a way that you could kind of take the base research that i've done and then try to kind of take your strategy um to that next level so yeah i think some of it is is trends which is why the win rate taking that next step in the data would be useful um to get even more information but i do think you can go back and kind of cross check in that kind of way um to to kind of figure out where the true advantages are it it's pretty wild to me um looking at uh, some of these numbers here for each kind of option i guess there's you know, said closers starting pitchers but one that really stood out to me is stolen bases because everyone puts such a premium on like hey, we got to get like x amount of stolen bases early we got to do this that and the other yeah. But when you look at these numbers for just overall league winners, in theory, the number keeps dropping each year mm-hmm. from league winners. And that, I guarantee, if you just, if you didn't show this graph to anybody and you just put like a poll out on Twitter, everyone would be like, "No, there's no way. There's no like you guys are no." There's because everyone emphasizes it so much. So then, like you know, you know, last year Vlad Guerrero, nope, can't draft in the first round, not viable, not possible, so on and so forth. So that makes it really interesting seeing those numbers in person there. And just the numbers, you don't get all the details behind it. Just the numbers shows a lot. Was there anything else that stood out to you kind of like that? Because that stood out to me real quickly. Because like pocket aces make sense because you need two guys to stay healthy the entire go. That makes a lot of sense. But still one starting pitcher in ace did very well, uh, so on and so forth. But still to me to see the the constant decrease in the stolen bases kind of stood out to me a little more that maybe we are emphasizing catchers and pitchers early on so that you can go get your steals later. Maybe that's the theory behind it. Or that it's just not as viable because the stolen base, I guess, world landscape has changed so much. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that is interesting is um, I think it, I think catcher is an interesting case. I've always been very resistant to uh, drafting a catcher early. I think this data did kind of open my eyes, certainly to the benefit. I still think there's a lot of drawbacks to it, uh, potentially. But the idea, like if you hit on a JT Rio Buto from this year or something, that gives you a massive advantage. And I think the numbers do kind of, when I was looking through that, it was almost entirely like when I did the numbers this year, that's freshest in my mind. It was entirely pretty much <laughs> real, uh, JT Rio Buto in there. Um, so it was just kind of like when you get that right, it really did kind of anecdotally, it seemed to be a, a big advantage. I think there is the drawback because, I mean, if things go wrong with the catcher, they could go terribly wrong arguably more than with you know maybe not starting pitcher but with any other hitting position (laughs) i would say it could go worse um so that was an interesting one and i think the other was just kind of the general structure um Mm. not not any of the specific strategies but still just that yeah hitting is still generally speaking the way to go and then kind of finding the right ways to patch in the pitching within that um is kind of what i took away um you know, from that is still, you still want to focus on getting, it seems like a core of counting stats and from your hitters in those first five rounds. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that really stood out to me, and this is uh, for, for people following along in the book, but Dan's essays, page 74, 74 and 75. What a professional, what a professional right there. So if I, <laughs> look at this guy. I, Come on. 
<laughs> I, I, I would, uh, I would I like, like we did on the last one, I, I pulled the book out and show it, but I, we don't have the book yet. Um, but on page 74, this is, this is one, and this kind of builds on what Dan was just talking about the most common. So despite all the talk about aces going early and relievers going early in the first five rounds in 12 team leagues, the most common, um, roster structure through the first five rounds among league winners and the online championship was four hitters and one starting pitcher. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, that, that was in 2022. That was the first time, at least in the last four years that you've been doing this, collecting this data, uh, Dan is that's the first time that's happened. Previously it was three hitters and two starting pitchers yeah. last season. It was four hitters and one starting pitcher that the margin wasn't like terribly, um, terribly huge but it was just really interesting to me how that was the most common uh roster build through through four uh sorry through five rounds and it kind of does show that counting stats and, and hitting kind of still is king at least in those in those 12 teamers that that really stood out to me yeah, the yeah. difference between 12s and 15s is pretty impressive sorry i'll give you the floor again but just seeing like because on some of the different ones the differences in the 12s and the 15s that Sometimes you think there's more depths in 12, so you wouldn't be as serious to take a guy early. Maybe it's almost like it emphasizes it more like, hey, go get this guy because the replacement value guys can add stuff up. So that stood out quite a bit too. But sorry, Dan, what were you going to say? No, I think I think that is interesting. You have, in a way, you almost have less margin for error because yeah. of that. Yeah, because you need higher quality players in a 12 team league to fill every position. Um, so, yeah, the other, the I was just going to go to something uh, Ryan had said in his comments is just, I do think it's interesting. Um, I think maybe one thing that I would take away from those builds that are four hitter, one starting pitcher is also the power of having, if you really hit on that ace, um, the power of having it, which, uh, Bob, I know you started with uh, when you were kind of introducing the topic, you had brought that up. And I think, you know, your comments combined um, also kind of show in the numbers that, yeah, if you hit on that one guy who is, you know, gives you the excellent ratios, who stays healthy, who gives you the innings, gives you the strikeouts. There is real power in that and that you can do it. If, if you hit on that guy, you can surround him with a lot of good hitters. And that is a winning formula that you don't have to go crazy on <laughs> arms trying to get, you know, every, you know, strikeout guy early. Um, that That is, I thought that was interesting, you know, combined with your two comments. And that, that's why I know Toby loves pocket aces because it took a long time for me to – I've done podcasting with, for years with him. So it took a while to rub off on me. But it made sense because if you draft two, obviously, common sense math here, if one gets hurt, you still have one. So it's and, – and if you have two that stay healthy long enough, that combined ratios and strikeouts, like it allows you to have so much more flexibility with the rest of your pitching staff and so many other things. So it's kind of a, a double whammy. And the, and the gentleman we'll have on next who will, will be on, he's – He's a proponent of, of a lot of these philosophies as well, so he might be able to elaborate on this. But um, it, it is an interesting thing. And the one other thing before I give you the floor back, I think Ryan wanted to say something. Looking at the 2022 numbers, you know, we said the first, you know, the hitters, pitchers, like four to one roughly. But that was also the first year where like the second best philosophy and even the third best strategy, I guess, relief pitchers cre creeped into the mess for both of them. Yeah. And so that, that emphasizes, again, like we started out talking about, you know, drafting one relief pitcher in the first five rounds, potentially being a 51% league win possibility. It shows just the strategies in general. Drafting one early, it's proven. If you combine, like, was it almost 40%, 35 40% for the second and third most popular strategy, have a relief pitcher, let alone, we talked about 51% at the beginning in 12-teamers. It goes to say, uh, I think it was Rob Silverrein at um, FPAS, he had a big talk on basically saying oh, if you break yeah. it down and break it down, break it down, there's really only like, 
12 quality relievers in all of baseball and we're playing with how many teams so it, it really emphasizes that deal so sorry you guys want to say something i was, I was just gonna say so one thing that came up um while, while i was looking at it in page 75 we're talking about pocket aces bubba this really stood out to me. Um, 15 teams, so main event winners in 2019 and 2021. Essentially, one out of every five main event winning team went pocket aces yep. in those two years. That number, so it was so like 20% roughly, um, that number went down to 6% last year. That that was That's pretty crazy Huge. to me. Um, I don't know if that means pocket aces is, is no longer in vogue or if those pocket aces, maybe like Walker Bueller was one of the more popular kind of going at the back end um of the first round uh, early second round that back end wheel maybe if walker bueller was one of your pocket aces you obviously probably weren't winning your league but it was it was interesting to see that 21 percent rate for pocket a's uh drop down to to six percent in 2022 so i'm definitely um <laughs> and just to give the the listeners a little peek behind the curtain here i'm glad dan that you went through that all that extra effort to get the 2022 data on here so we originally and like what dan was saying this was um this was originally done on the hq site we didn't have the 2022 data nfbc didn't roll their site over to 23 until what like right after the world series so it was a sprint and i know dan you're on east coast time you were sending me some some late, late emails, uh, <laughs> yeah. 2022 data in there, but I'm glad you did it really. Um, it was really cool to get that added, uh, data point. So thank you, man. I know, you, yeah. I know you've got a, I know you've got a newborn, so you're probably yeah. up anyway, but still. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was still off of, uh, my day job at that point too. So mm-hmm. I had some little bit of extra, extra time. time. Once, yeah. Once, she, once she was down, I had some extra time, to, <laughs> uh, dig into the forecaster. Um, I think just to add to your comment about the two uh, pocket aces, I would be careful drawing too hard of a conclusion that yeah. pocket aces doesn't work just because I think Giolito might have been another guy who might fit into that conversation yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. along with Bueller. So, yeah. you know, I, th- I think that's another thing is like no matter what, pretty much, even if we did get to the win rate, you know, portion and we got to that at some point in time and it showed that there was an advantage, I mean, it still comes down to – you got to have the right players. You can't just, you know, oh, yeah. and I, I think the other thing that's interesting too, though, is that in some ways it might be counterintuitive, like as a strategy becomes more popular, it might work less. So for example, if everyone went pocket aces, that's not going to work because by the time you get to the <laughs> 30th starting pitcher, I mean, not literally, but say, you know, eight teams do the 16th starting pitcher, you know, that's yeah probably not someone you want to be taking, <laughs> Uh, you know, within the first two rounds um, of a 30-team league. So I think kind of counterintuitively, as strategies become more popular, uh, you might start to see them <laughs> less among league winners. So that's also another kind of potential way to try to use the data is almost reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, you could almost, it's like the whole gambling or statistical method. Hey, it worked for over 20% for two straight years. It wasn't great this last year. Now the draft strategies of some might change. Let's go back to it. Well, right, like, you yeah, value in it so 100% there. I this conversation's been awesome, man. And I told you, like, we're on like a schedule here, so I don't want to like keep going. And I want people to read the book, obviously. Um, so we're gonna cut that off there, but I do have another question for you before I sure. that was a lot of really great stuff. And I want people to go check that out. But you also did boxes, player boxes in the book, yeah. and um, I don't know if this is too off the wall for you to be here, but one thing that we like to ask Corbin and Jock the other night is, and I'm gonna ask you the same question, what player box did you write that surprised you the most good or bad like hey this guy was really good i didn't know it or he's really bad i didn't know it like 
do it. All, it happens to everybody. Anybody that writes yeah. any preseason content, you go, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much baseball you watch. So yeah. what was what was the player for you? Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. I have answers. It's not because it's too off the wall. It's just I got to narrow it down. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you can throw I, a couple quick ones out there. Go for it. Yeah, I think if I had to pick one, it would be Nelson Velasquez from the Cubs. Uh, I followed him uh, from playing time tomorrow, but when I actually dug into numbers, I wanted to put an upside tag on him. Uh, I don't think there was enough data, I think, was the verdict on that, um, which is fair. Uh, there's not. But just you can see the power speed potential. You look at those numbers, uh, and it is uh, just comes right out. I have it pulled up. Um, if I can, yeah, if I can get to it quickly enough, the um, XPX 144, there is minor league equivalent data in there, but XPX 144, uh, SPD 151, 25% wow. stolen yep. base uh, opportunity percent. So, I mean, <laughs> there's those numbers just like it could come with a terrible batting average. And it might, I'd be, I'm going to watch the Cubs carefully um, this offseason, what they do, because I think they're trying to take a step forward in competitiveness. But if they don't add to their outfield, that was a guy that I was just like, wow. I, <laughs> I was intrigued yeah. by him just from following him from uh, PT tomorrow. But that jumped off the page. Um, so that was that was probably if I was narrowing it down to one, that would probably be be the guy. And I'm hoping uh, I'm not quite ready to jump into draft and holds just yet. But he'd be come on, the water's warm. Um, the water's warm. <laughs> come on, <laughs> that's uh, someone I definitely uh, would would be trying to target. Um, kind of, I don't know how late in drafts. I haven't even looked at ADP if I'm being honest. So <laughs> don't, don't blame you. Enjoy your time. You like you said, Ryan said he had a newborn. Congratulations. Thank Enjoy you. that. The uh, the book's done. So relax a little there. And, you know, baseball's going to be here before you know it. So take a breather. Enjoy the holidays or whatever. But, uh, Dan, I thank you for joining us. This has been awesome. I think we're going to have to, like, get you on again, and we'll talk for a while on some stuff because that was a – I think we could have yeah. we could have made that happen for a lot longer. So I really appreciate you joining us. Ryan, anything final for uh, Dan before we head on out? No, appreciate it, man. Great job uh, with the essay with the with the boxes. And yes, Nelson Velasquez, that is a box. Yeah, I'm writing that down off right the page. <laughs> yeah, it surprised me. So yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. It was a blast. Everybody check, check them out on Twitter at underscore Dan Marcus. Dan, thanks for joining us, man. We will catch you some other time. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yep. 713 ADP on Nelson that, Velasquez. So that's so. wild. I, I literally wrote his name down because I'm in round 10 of a 50. So that's going to be on my radar. So no one that listens to this better pay attention. Gialdi, you're in that league. Stop. But uh, <laughs> we're going to keep this train rolling, Ryan. And we have a special guest joining us here. He is the king of pretty much all uh, formats. Now, when I first met him, he was the king of draft champions formats. But my goodness, when it comes to main events, when it comes to all, it doesn't matter. If it's fantasy baseball, this guy can do it. He gave a couple great presentations at FPES. And he wrote two awesome articles in the HQ forecast that we're going to talk about here. One is the value of volume, which is something I've tried to learn each and every year since talking to this gentleman. And it's so true, but I don't have the big, big brain like he does to figure this out. And then the reliability of ratio protecting relievers. Another great, great topic. You find him on Twitter at Steve Weimer, Y-M-E-R. Don't laugh now, but I have a joke behind the scenes about that one. But Steve, how you doing, my friend? I'm all right. How are you guys doing? doing great doing great thanks for joining us uh really looking forward to chatting with you again yeah it'll be uh my pleasure i expect 
<laughs> Ryan, anything for Steve before we get this party started? No, just uh, yeah, we figured out you learned how to how to spell with 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 Steve's uh, Twitter handle I mean, with, with why the why is okay. So apparently we're going to talk about it on the scene instead of behind oh yeah, the scene. I can't let you off the hook. I can't let you <laughs> so, off the hook. So I've had Steve on my show. I've talked to Steve before, and I've written down things. But I'm a I'm a learner by writing, not by listening. And so I was writing down his Twitter handle, and I'm like, oh, that's why it's spelled that way. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. So, yep, yep, yep. Smart guy right here. But that's why I'm just here to host the show, the smart guys I talk to. That's how this game works. Um, Steve, let's just kick it off here because we want to talk about both of these. And I told Ryan beforehand we could talk to you for like an entire show on these, I know. So we're going to kind of just go cliff notes and people read the book. And the first one is the value of volume. And this is something I know you and many others have talked about for quite a while is volume as in plate appearances, playing time essentially, just like so on innings pitch, so on and so forth, because it just – I'll actually, I'll stop. I'll let you tell us why. What is it about the value of volume that you are trying to get across in this essay? Yeah, so I, I noticed, like, I at the end of the season, I keep uh, records of all my teams um, and their stats and so forth, including, like, at bats, which is what uh, NFBC reports. You can't actually get plate appearances. Um, and I noticed that my teams tended to do better when they had more bats. So um, I just wanted to test that kind of across the entire pool, not just looking at my teams. Um, and it was, at least on the hitting side, about what I expected, that, you know, the bats is a big driver of success. Um, I think more so in draft and holds, um, but also in the fab leagues uh, that I looked at. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Yeah, make sure that's correct. Yeah, that's right, especially in draft and hold. Yeah, it was, because, yeah, in the essay, you broke it out. You did draft and hold, and I think you did main and uh, OCs as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Um, I don't think I was, you know, too surprised that like, this is, I would have been shocked and I don't know what have had to question myself and my strategy if it didn't turn out that way. Cause I've, that's like been a big emphasis of mine is always just to get the boring veterans that play, especially on the hitting side. Um, but the, the correlations were probably even stronger like than I expected. Um, the way that I did it was look at, uh, how much each hitting statistic correlates with total hitting points. So if you add a team's hitting added up the team's points in the five hitting categories, so runs, homers, RBI, steals, and average. Um, what correlates uh, most strongly with that? And the, the most strong correlations are runs and RBIs. That kind of makes sense. Um, they're connected to one another, and they are categories. Like, they're directly in that total of total hitting points, right? Runs is one of the categories. RBIs is another. Um, but then the next kind of level of correlation is home runs and at-bats. 
right? So actually in bats is more strongly correlated with total hitting points than two of the categories, right? So average and stolen bases, um, which is kind of telling, right? Because part, like part of the stolen bases and average points are, you know, part of what we're adding up in, in the thing that we're, we're targeting, the total hitting points. Um, so like, this isn't like a great lesson, but just other things being equal, you're more likely to, to do better and have more hitting points by just drafting hitters based on projected at bats than projected steals or projected average, right? And like the reason for this is obvious. Uh, the other three uh, categories, runs, overs, RBIs, are themselves really tightly correlated with at bats. So if you're just aiming at at bats, you're very likely to get indirectly a lot of uh, runs, overs, and RBIs. So, so are, are you, so one of the things that, yeah, stood out to me was kind of that plateau of the correlation between with runs, basically the counting stats runs RBI and homers with at bats, but that did, like you said, drop off, not, not drop off a cliff, but stolen bases and batting average were far less correlated. Are you in terms of like a general draft strategy in the earlier rounds, if you think you can, um, and you obviously, you can, <laughs> um, given your <laughs> success in compiling at-bats, are you more willing or more targeting batting average and stolen bases early in your drafts because you cannot kind of stream the rest of the those other three categories yeah, throughout the uh, wire all season? Yeah, I do that. And um, I haven't checked the results yet, but I did it in the past kind of just informally. Like I know if, if I've used a hitter as kind of a compiler – they're less valuable to me, like based on how I play, than, they, than the numbers might suggest, right? I don't need all those runs at RBIs that they're getting by way of volume because I'm going to get those later. Um, so I would focus more on average in stolen bases. Um, this past year, I, I used a more sophisticated spreadsheet, and this is still not very sophisticated, but like I just weighted the categories differently and just took a bunch of the weight off of runs and RBIs so that when I'm calculating the value of a hitter, right, um, the, you know, whatever the SGP from runs is, I've weighted it like, I forget, like 0.8 or something like that and shifted that that weight or that value to other categories. Um, and I think it worked a little bit like by just kind of doing formally what I was before doing very imperfectly, probably just like roughly, this is an average guy, this is a, a, a compiler guy. Um, so hopefully it worked. I haven't actually checked to see if, if my categories were more balanced than in the past. Um, but that was the idea behind that. Makes sense. Interesting. No, it's it's always uh, really interesting seeing you break it down like that because it makes sense at bats, like you said, the correlations of runs, RBIs, and power, but you're not correlating the average and stolen bases. But we just got to talking to Dan where you know stolen bases might not be as important draft wise in early rounds as it was before. So then that that's what's fun about all this is kind of trying to piece it all together. It's the puzzle that is a fantasy baseball team. So um, I, I bet if they if they combined the yeah, at bats with uh, the stolen base guys up early, that would probably change the spectrum a bit instead of looking at the specific things. But I digress. That's a whole different topic. Um, when it comes to these uh, DLZ to 21 and 22, so there's kind of trends sort of that you could see. What kind of did you see any trends or is it just the consistent, hey, if I pound these categories, I'm going to do very well? Or were there certain categories they're like, you know, you know, it, it correlated, but not as much as, you know, year to year, where it's kind of a little more fluid, not as fluid, I guess, is the question. Yeah, so um, both for homers and stolen bases, the correlation with at-bats this year, 2022, was less strong than for 2021. And there wasn't, like, space in the forecaster to go into that. Um, but that was that's kind of interesting. Overall, the correlations are pretty, still pretty strong between, like, hitting points and at-bats. Um, but for home runs and stolen bases specifically, uh, 
they were lower, especially in the 15 team leagues. And I think that makes sense. Like for home runs, I, I get that. I understand, right? Like changes to the ball, the humidor, like home runs were more dependent on actually, I think, like having raw power than in previous years where anyone who was playing full-time could just volume their way to like 15 homers. And that was less true this year. So the correlation between at-bats and home runs wasn't quite as strong. For steals, I'm not sure why that is. I wonder if it's just like the overall averages are thrown off by a few players with like really high stolen base to at-bat ratios, like Birdie, McCarthy, got a whole bunch of steals without playing a lot. McCarthy came up and stole so many. I don't know. Like, if they're, you know, if a few players like that will have a big enough effect to explain like the league wide ratio. Um, but that's the only, only thing I could think of on why the, the stolen bases were less strongly correlated with the bats uh, this past season. Um, real quick, I'll, and Ryan, I'll give you the floor in a minute here. Did you find anything that correlated between like, was the 12 more successful than the 15 versus the DC? Like, did, and I know it's kind of on the, the charts there. But was there anything you saw where, at bats were even more important. I'm a, I, I would assume the 15s. I could be completely wrong just because of the depth of the league. But did you see, like, was there leeway, I guess, in certain formats that if you didn't nail at bats, you're still kind of okay, where you had to nail at bats in another format? Um, really, it was just the, the draft and holds, I think. Um, and that was even more so in, in 2021. But there's a, a difference there. And, that, and I, like that makes sense. Right? In Fab Leagues, the, between the 12 and the 15 is actually really similar, the, the, the level or the importance of the bats. Um, and I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head, but presumably like if teams are active there, you can get a similar supply. You might be able to get more bats in a 12 off the waiver wire um, than a 15, but you can kind of fill in the holes. Whereas in a draft and hold, right? If you lose players, um, then your, your hitting points are going to suffer uh, as a result, right? Alongside with those, those, uh, those at bats. I wonder what uh, with the gladiator coming out this year. I wonder what that correlation with that bats is going to be next year. I would think extremely high with no bench and no um, and no fab moves. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I'm curious, like on the pitching side. Um, so yeah. in, in in general, like on the the, the article that I did, um, the volume in pitching isn't nearly as important. The, the correlation isn't that strong between the number of innings pitched a team has and their total pitching points, so adding up the, the points in the five pitching categories. Um, but especially like in the gladiator, I think that's going to be pretty weak. Like a lot of people are focused on like avoiding, like getting the volume, like it's avoiding injury prone people on the pitching side as well. Um, and, and making sure you, that you don't draft rookies and so forth. But I don't know. Like, I, I think everyone's still trying to figure out the gladiator format. By the time we start to like get some theories, I think it's going to be shut down. Um, <laughs> but like my inclination is more like just to go for the uh, low quantity, good quality, right? So like I don't care if they're injury prone, like injury Heaney or whatever. If I can get those good ratios, um, hopefully he gets enough innings that I can, I can do well in, in other categories. But what I want to avoid is those high volume, bad ratio guys like sorry Trevor Rodgers like Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez Trevor Rodgers uh, right. for you for you two guys yep. um, yeah for both of us yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, that's fair I appreciate it I, uh, I, yeah. I felt like yeah Toby reminds me of that all the time yeah I know <laughs> well I guess you know, I mean, I less cruelly and probably even more extreme like I, I imagine Barrios would probably be the, like the yeah yeah yeah, Giolito. Giolito came up. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's just me, like kind of spitballing. No one really knows what to do uh, in the gladiator drafts. I think it's it's fun watching those gladiator drafts for sure, and and see that one play out. But I like your comment there because it's one thing Ryan and I talked about on our our starting pitching review is 
you know, Julio Urias is a guy you're talking about quantity and quality over quantity. Basically, he doesn't put all the innings in like you'd expect from a quote unquote ace. But what he puts out there is elite, like elite, elite. The wins, the ratios, mm-hmm. like it's it's amazing what he can do. And I think we all have kind of a fog sometimes of early round pitching. We need this guy that's going to be a workhorse. He's going to do all these things. And Urias isn't that guy, but he does everything else because he just he's just on a workhorse. And I think that could be a great way to look at regular season, the full season roto like with fab leagues plus the gladiator idea of you know like you said take the quality over the quantity sometimes it's like it's like the old joke with kershaw you know you might only get 120 to 140 innings but those those are amazing innings so like do you go that direction so that's interesting one last thing i wanted to ask i know we have another 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 essay to talk about is so like one thing that i'm seeing just chatter and twitter and stuff is is you know maximizing plate appearances is almost becoming is just my opinion almost becoming a buzzword almost becoming groupthink in terms of the industry uh, because of research like this where it does show that counting stats correlate you know very well with at bats and that sort of thing my question is like do you think there it's gotten to the point or we'll get to the point where you need to pivot from that um, to kind of cut against the grain or is it kind of an easier said than done kind of thing to maximize plate appearances? And it's a effort and work thing to actually do it throughout the season. So I think it is easier said than done. It's effort, work and luck. Um, I think you're right that people are catching on more. Like it's been talked about enough that, that there's less value in those players that are just going to get playing time. Right. And a lot of them like are getting drafted ahead of the rookies that never play. Whereas a few years ago, like people were really happy, you know, dreaming on the rookies and they draft a whole bunch of them, especially like the draft and holds, and then they never come up. Right. Um, I think that's less true. And I don't know if it's entirely for that reason or not, but I, I do know that in draft champions in 2022, the average team had more at bats than 2021 by like 60 or 80, but like enough that it, like, you know, there's a difference there. Um, so whether that was just luck or, uh, the I guess the NLDH is a big part of it. I think there is focus on that. Um, like my teams had fewer at bats in twenty on average in twenty twenty two than twenty twenty one, and I'm going to attribute that. That might partly be bad drafting, but like it's not lack of effort. Like I'm really careful about my lineups and so forth. It's at least partly like luck, right? That you draft people on a bunch of teams, they get injured, or like to me, like just anecdotally, it felt like all my hitters that got injured, it was on like a Monday. Right, like after lineups are locked, and then you miss them for, for a while. So I do think that like there's a, like it's a battle. Like there is luck, but you still have to maximize within like what's available to you, um, the the bats that uh, that you can get, um, and and draft knowing that those injuries are going to happen. Right, so have like redundancies upon redundancies um, um, when you're filling out, especially for those draft and hold rosters. Yeah, and being able to talk. I mean, I know Bubba and I have talked about when we did our kind of when we took our L's and did our lessons learned for this year. I know one of my things was like literally block off my calendar at 4 p.m. Pacific time, Mondays and Fridays, and really I mean, watch who's in lineups, who's not in lineups. Um, that's that is the kind of effort where like if you miss that someone's not in your lineup on a Monday, you misses Monday, Tuesday, that stuff adds up and you know some of that like you said steve might be luck but some of it is you know planning for that having those redundancies and really watching those lineups like a hawk uh twice a week um, yep. something i i know i need to get better at even though it's so it's so easy to say oh i'm going to maximize my plate appearances this year um actually going out and executing that i think is uh take some take some effort and and willpower for sure 
Yeah, I remember Steve. One of uh, Steve's topics at FPAS with uh, Potts and Vlad, and Steve goes into his whole process of when he sets lineups and does this and that. I remember walking out with a couple guys going, "I'm never going to be good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have, I don't have I'm that time. Win. I just can't. I, I need to do one thing apparently because there's no way I can, I can do this. But it makes yeah. sense. Like it makes tons of sense. But yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously it helps anyone like to not leave an injured player or like yeah. in your roster but also like the way that i draft like i i need that more than others i guess like i don't hit on breakout people as much as, yeah, as like, i don't have like player evaluation skills and stuff like that um so someone who who, who can like do a great job of seeing the, the breakout pitchers coming and so forth it'll be probably a little less important for them but but like i know this is how i play so this is how i'm gonna draft where i'm gonna try to like get the pitching early and then my I'm gonna to have to get the volume on hitting if I'm gonna kind of make up for the fact that I didn't uh, draft the top hitters. All right, let's pivot here to the second essay from Steve because uh, yeah, he's got a great, a lot of great stuff. I highly recommend checking out any work he does anywhere, podcast or written, because it's uh, very good. And uh, real quick, how many leagues have you done so far, Steve? Like what, twelve, <laughs> thirteen? Um, I just this afternoon started what I think is my fifth DC, fourth or fifth. Um, and I've done uh, just one gladiator so far. I'm doing another one of those tonight, actually. But yeah, so we're at the we're gonna have to pick Steve's brain another <laughs> month or so and talk about uh, diversification. I've talked to Steve about it before. It's very interesting because he does spread out his profile, but also keeps a, a core at time. Like he's, it's really fun talking to Steve. But to the pot, to the uh, the topic at hand, your reliability of ratio protecting relievers. And I'm so glad you wrote this because I can yell into a microphone until I'm blue in the face. People go, "That's just that guy." You wrote about it though, so it makes a lot of sense because I've been like on this train for give me guys that are giving me quality innings and might not be giving me saves. You never know what's going to happen. For someone like yourself that plays DC so much, it makes a ton of sense. It's called speculating on closers, but in a different format, different way of doing it. But even in fab leagues, like go take this guy that might get two or three relief appearances and not crush you compared to some bad streamer somewhere. And those are the little things that add up. So what did you um, kind of? What was the big points you got across here in this article about reliability of ratio protecting relievers? Yeah. Um, so kind of the way I came at it was like, you hear people say in draft season, like don't pay for last year's great middle reliever find this year's. Right. Um, so I was looking at like how, how to do that and how reliably, like, is that as easy as people make it out to be? Um, so the, the, the way that I interpreted it was like to look at second half value um, using like SGP form this way, how much a pitcher contributed in each of five categories in the second half, and then which first half statistics best predicted that from, I think it was 2019, 2021, and 2022. Um, and the results, again, like I don't think were particularly surprising. Hopefully there's value in like confirming things that are that are commonly held, but like especially for like baseball HQ readers, like it wouldn't be surprising that it's like K minus walk percentage, right? And then um, swinging strike and ball percentage were like the big ones. That if you if you find relievers who are who re- meet certain thresholds in those categories in the first half, there's it's not a guarantee, but it's a pretty good chance that they will um, be valuable uh, for your ratios in the second half. And the value is like pretty small. I think on average it was like a point um, in total between ERA and WHIP. But like the title is like ratio protecting relievers. Like you just you just want to not blow up um, and hold steady with those. And then also they get additional value from strikeouts and hopefully some wins and saves. Um, but uh, you really want to make sure that you're not throwing, if, if your goal is to make sure you're not using those really dangerous streamers um, and still want to get some value um, 
this is one way to find the relievers who will do that. So to look at those kind of indicators from the first half. Yeah, no, it, 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 do you prefer to use this uh, as an, okay, you might've just said it, I totally just skipped past it, but as an in-season tool per se, or is this something you would rather use for your draft champions leagues uh, as you prep for 2023? It was, it was meant in season. Cause I just, you know, that's when I did the, the work was looking at, okay, who, who should we be, rostering or chasing um in the second half of this past season but i use the same kind of framework for for draft champions like if i'm looking at reliever skills uh, in you know around 30s and 40s and so forth of the draft champion i'm probably going to look more second half than um than full season and i think there's just so much volatility um in relievers so yeah it would be the same you know kind of framework that we're just looking at this last chunk of few, few months and, and using that to try to predict. And I haven't checked this. It might be less strong of a correlation if you look at like second half of this year projecting first half of next year, right? Because more can change in the interim yeah. in terms of pitch mix and injuries and so forth. Um, but I imagine that the best predictors, even if they're have a lower degree of success than in season, but they still the best predictors are probably be striking minus walk rate. And like, this isn't groundbreaking, but also like swinging strike rate, especially for levers and so forth. I mean, sometimes like, it seems like a great speculator call on Ryan. Go for it. <laughs> no, it's just, I mean, even though something like confirms what you thought, I mean, that still is valuable, especially with, I mean, with pitcher stats, there's just so much out there. It is good to know, like, can we hone in on just two or three indicators and go from there? Um, the other, and, and in this case, like it was nice to see swinging strike and ball percentage, which I use all the time. I know Toby's used a lot as well. He really picked up on ball percentage that we, that we put in the forecast for a few years ago. Um, so it's just nice to kind of get that confirmation. Um, the last thing that I thought was, was interesting with this is that you looked at Steve first and second half, because maybe this is just my teams and my experiences. I'm more looking at those middle relievers in the second half of the season. Injuries pile up throughout the year. My starters, you know, go to the tank and I just don't, I'm struggling to feel a starting pitching staff more in the second half than I am in the first half. So um, it was nice to be able to look at that. And then like you kind of started off, Steve, like there is that kind of narrative out there that relievers are extremely volatile. And then, I mean, from season to season, like they, they they certainly can be. I always um, who's the uh, he's gonna Chris Davinsky is the guy who always yeah. comes to mind. Who was just knockout for like a year, year and a half, and then just well, kind of went away. Um, but to to kind of put numbers behind this in season, I think is a pretty pretty useful tool um, when you're not trying to pick up um, Zach Logue for example, <laughs> in the second half, like I was trying to do for Oakland last year and instead just go get like Evan Phillips. Yeah. Oh. Smart. Um, Steve, uh, another question on this for you here. Cause we will have a few more before we have to wrap this up. Unfortunately, um, when you start to look, we, you see you're comparing first half, second half, and maybe you haven't done the research yet. Cause it's probably really minute, like specific stuff, but when do you think the window of looking at these, cause reliever sample size is so small. So small compared to other sample sizes. So when can you start seeing like a, a K to walk rates and swinging strike rates and be like, you know what, let's jump on this guy. Let's like, let's go get him. Or like, when do you maybe start feeling comfortable? Is it, is it a month or two? Cause when we're talking first half, we're talking three to four months. Um, when, when do you think it starts to like, cause it's such a small sample size. Yeah. Um, 
I'm bringing this up. So I'm just bringing up my notes on what other people have done in terms of uh, stabilization rates and strikeout rate for pitchers. is like, what, 70 plate appearances. I estimated at 17 innings pitched. Um, walk rate's about 40. So you're not going to get 40 innings pitched from a reliever in the first half. Um, you're going to have to jump a little bit before that. It might be, and this is, I haven't really done the research, uh, like you said, but you might want to focus more on um, those sub indicators, right? That have the, have pitches as their, as their denominators to swinging strike and ball rate. Um, but probably those should start to be meaningful, you know, 15 innings or so. Um, that might be, I guess, two months. Uh, but, you know, you, you, if you don't have that confidence, you're still going to be making pickups and so forth. So it, yeah. even if you don't have like as much data as you'd like, what you have is still better than nothing, right? So you still go for the pitchers, even if it, it's, you know, five innings in, this pitcher has, you know, this reliever has, you know, a 40% strikeout rate and his velocity's up, then um, it doesn't guarantee that he's going to keep doing well, but, you know, it's better than having velocity down and a 10% strikeout rate. So, you know, you take your chances, I guess. Most definitely. Ryan, I'll let you have the last question. If you got one, then we're going to have to unfortunately let Steve go for the evening. No, super, uh, super interesting stuff. Thanks, Steve. I, there's so many more, like so much more we could talk. I, like I'm super interested in what Eno Saris does with Stuff Plus and how that works for relievers. I'd be interested to kind of put that to the test in a study like this and kind of compare that to, um, you know, our our HQ sub indicators. Um, there's just, yeah, so much we can we can go on, but, but super, uh, super important stuff, super interesting stuff, Steve. And it, it's always good when you put those numbers to it and get those correlations and, you know, prove what you thought that, that, that has value. So um, thanks, man. Really good job with both of these and glad they are on the HQ uh, website as well. Cause your HQ column had, you know, put, you know, the HQ column equivalent of this, you, you kind of published mid season and, had some very interesting names that you added onto the list as well. We don't typically put names in the, in the essays uh, just because it's not really relevant to what it was last year, but, uh, but yeah, great job with it, man. All right. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Uh, We'll chat again sometime. Like I said, we could probably have talked about these for a long, long time, but we're on a schedule here. So everybody check out Steve on Twitter at Steve Weimer, Y M E R. And Steve, thanks for joining us, man. We will do this again sometime. See you guys. See ya. All righty, folks. We have one more guest join us. And just for people, if you are watching this or you might hear it, Ryan's going to switch his platforms here in a minute. So I might, you might lose him for a second, but he will pop back on. I'll the be screen. back. So don't worry in, about in a, that. In a noisier setting. Most yes. Likely. Yes. There's a lot of back. Uh, remember the start of the show? School is out, folks. Um, but we have a special guest, a third guest joining us this evening to talk some more forecaster fun. And um, he, he wrote an awesome column on can you hack the waiver wire and i don't know about you ryan but the waiver wire is something that um is the conundrum of conundrums it seems like year in and year out what fab what do we do what do we do so we're gonna talk to him we're gonna talk to him you can find him on twitter at huge days gary james how we doing man oh you're quiet you're quiet check your mic check your mic oh we're three for three We'll get him in a minute. We got you. Yeah, we got, we got you. you. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna switch while we're waiting. I'm gonna switch. Uh, yeah, switch your stuff. Upstairs. We'll do the whole thing. It'll be fun, and then we'll get Carrie on here to talk about some waiver wire fun. Um, still quiet, Carrie. Still quiet. No, Ryan, go switch. 
we'll right. we'll 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 do this in just a second. It's technology. It's so much fun. I'm telling you. <laughs> he can hear us. That's half the battle, folks. He can hear us. So we'll get his mic working in no time. And uh We'll rock and roll with segment three of this awesome show. A lot of great news. And like we told you guys, the forecasters got so much awesome stuff. And I let off the show talking about not just boxes, player boxes, but articles and essays. And that's what these guys are going to talk about today. So uh, we'll get him on here in just a second. We'll get Bloom back up. We got Carrie back up. And Ke- I got Bloomfield in a new setting, folks. We're still waiting for Carrie. I am back on. I've got plenty of of, of background noise here. So I, I like I like the, the I like the painting. It's a different different setting from the the normal look. Oh, and the trees so festive, so festive. All right, you got do you have me now? Oh, we got you. We got you. Carrie's did with I, us. Oh you did it. You did it. Perfect. <laughs> perfect time. Perfect timing. Ryan's got his new setting. We got Carrie here mm-hmm. at Huge Days on Twitter. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, I got here by the skin of my teeth. Got a couple. Uh, got I saw a couple, your tweet. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, just doing some juggling of my own. It's quiet here now, but the storm will soon arrive. So you know, my family will return. Yes. Yeah, we all have kids. Yours are a lot bigger. It sounds like than ours, but we we get it. We get yeah, it. Yeah, my my son's got a ninety eight percentile head size. So you uh, know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I, uh, yeah, I credit my my poor daughter's got my head, so she's in trouble. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, exactly. I get it. But uh, man, you wrote an awesome article on can you hack the waiver wire? So I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, what were what were the uh, the points? What were the what did you uh, accomplish by writing this? What did, what are the readers actually going to accomplish by reading this? I should say. Um. Okay. So I when I got into the um. When I got the gig of like writing about strategy, like the gaming side of things, game theory, my first thought was, um, what can I do? Um, my, my, my first thought was, what do I do? Do I just, I, I think I just have to assume that everyone has all the information already. Um, I don't know if you guys already do this, um, but um, a while ago, like I started doing fantasy baseball, I think in 2001 or two. Um, so by now, I figure everyone who I do, I'm in leagues with reads all the same waiver wire articles. They read all the same projections. They do all the same stuff that I do. So if we were to start from that point, how do you, how do you even, if you, if you start there and you think about it for a minute, you're like, well, how do I even get excited about the waiver wire now? If I already know that someone's, you know, everyone's sniping for the same person, what can I do to gain an advantage of that? And I mean, the, the very simple answer to that one is to simply know who's going to break out and when they do and pick them up before everyone else. Now, simple game. <laughs> that is, that is <laughs> easier said than done, right? Um, and I don't, I don't proclaim to have a silver bullet but I do know that there are tools that you can use in whatever league and format you have to find little um, advantages. Um, and it just depends. Like I play mostly in um, Roto leagues um, like year long. Um, I don't do much daily. Um, so one of the first things I usually do when I look at a player pool um, is I click on whatever in Yahoo, they have uh, the research assistant. They have like the, pick you know who's trending who you can pick up who everyone else is picking up um 
And the first thing I usually do is just to, you know, get rid of all the pitchers from the pool because you know that starters are getting scooped up everywhere. Um, and that's kind of where I've started with my article. Um, oh, boy. Um, sorry, that was just um, a very no important phone call that I just professionally muted. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, so the next thing I kind of do is just um, – oh, man, they hit me real hard with that, with that little – momentum breaker um so basically what's important to me is is i look at um at, uh, like rates of pickup and by that i mean you're not probably going to find the next guy um if they're being picked up by everybody else at that time right um so um if player you know let's say <laughs> let's, let's just do let's just say it right out let's say cody bellinger somehow starts out really hot right <laughs> somehow my, my arch nemesis right mm -hmm. my great foe um uh, <laughs> um everyone's gonna you, you, as soon as he hits like three home runs in the first two weeks there's gonna be like 60 articles generated across different websites saying mm -hmm. now is the time like this might be it he might be back you gotta grab him but I think the three of us and our listeners know that if you're you're having that conversation, um, he's probably picked up in leagues that don't have. He's already picked up by other people, right? It's usually first at the computer unless you're in a, a, a more humane league that does the, um, you know, fab the daily or weekly fab, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I guess the idea would be, what, what do you do if you know that Cody Bellinger's gone? What what's the best way to find the guys you're going to break out. And the best way to do that I found was looking um, at the month long trends and looking at the two, two week long trends. And that sounds, that sounds pretty simple. It sounds like everyone else is probably doing it. Um, but the reaction I got to the article was that not many people are actually using that tool. Um, most people have, um, you know, have jobs have lives um they depend on the waiver wire articles and they depend on outside influences to to guide them um and you know lead them to victory or to shout and threaten them violently in dms when they're wrong <laughs> right um so, true. <laughs> so so my thought is why don't we you know what can you do if we if we're all reliant on other people which is it's a wonderful it's a wonderful giving industry of experts everywhere right and i don't proclaim to be one but i just i like to i like to think outside of everything take a big step back and be like what's something so like simple and stupid but everyone's ignoring it and that is the one that i've found has been most effective um it's how i snatch guys up and then a week or two weeks later they're they're in every article and that is simply look at a month long look at a two week long trend um and look for guys that aren't being picked up a lot then you just look at their schedule see what's coming up and you know you just hit the ad and hope you get lucky with a one or two dollar bid rather than you know talking to jeff zimmerman on his sunday night chat <laughs> saying do i bid 85 percent of my entire budget on cody bellinger Right, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so true, though. It's so true what you're saying. Yeah, um, I was a week or two late, and here goes your whole budget. Yep. No, and I mean, I don't know. I feel for those people, and I am that person. I mean, that was. I mean, I guess that's the fun part about writing these type of articles is I get to put myself in the head of like I've been playing long enough where I remember 
you know, sitting there and not clicking accept on a trade until I got three replies from from experts via email or like on fantasy baseball cafe dot com or dot was it dot com I think yeah wow. <laughs> um, I, used to, I used to be uh that I, that's a blast from the past I used to be not heavy on there but I, I used to go there all the time I wrote some articles on that thing that was crazy that was my first writing job yeah and I got yelled at immediately and was like what a choice this was to write for <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a deep, a deep waiver wire article and was yelled at for not including more mains. You know, like why didn't you write about this guy? And it's like he's owned a ninety percent of the leagues. It's beautiful. Um, All right. Look in the first paragraph. It says deep uh, ads. (laughs) 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 And I learned to just bite my tongue. Yep. Um, That's all you can do. mm -hmm. But yeah. So that's kind of how I approach the 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 hacking the waiver wire. It's a it's a work in progress. I appreciate that it's in the book. Um, you know, like it's a it's a I picked up this magazine, or it's more of a book, I should say, like every year. Um, so it's kind of wacky um, to see um, my name in it. But yeah, it's an honor. It, it's pretty wild. It's good to see though. It's good to see it in the waiver wire. Like I, I introduced to start out with, it's a, it's one of the biggest conundrums in the entire thing. It's do I take a chance early, like you said, for a buck or two? Do I wait? Do I do this? Do I do that? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm with you. I do a lot of looking at, I guess, trends or two to four weeks trends, like you're saying, mm-hmm. and, and it does help a ton. Um, still, it's so hard to like. My hardest thing is dropping the right guy. That's the, <laughs> that's that's the that's the real fun part. And when uh-huh. to give up on the love of your life? That's no, question. yeah, you've you've grown your third leg. You know that you're you're this play. You know the player that you know everyone said was going to go off for a month. They don't. You drop them, and they just they produce like a season and a half worth of offensive stats for somebody else. And it just it's so it's so crushing. Um, one of the I things think, you put in there, Gary, not to, not to cut you off, but it was one of the no, things. I was like totally nodding my head when when you wrote this was that pitchers are a totally different animal in competitive leagues. You cannot wait for consecutive starts before nabbing starters who have made changes like tweaking a pitch mix or one game is enough. Like I, I and that's that's a literal pull from the essay. Like I, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's I think what a lot of people are doing. But um, if not, they should be um, looking at I, I've always kind of said pitchers can not reinvent themselves, but they can change pretty quick and mm-hmm. you kind of be aggressive with those guys yeah i mean i'm not i'm i'm certainly a weight you know I, I played fast and loose with pitchers for the most part in the entire game like i i wait on aces i i i gamble and then during the season i hope to land you know it's a very reckless strategy and it, it when it hits it hits big um that's just rider but i'm i'm a good pain is my best friend in terms of pitching so like it's just uh, you can't you can't wait they're just like with all that's my that's it's my least favorite part of the waiver wire is finding pitching um so that's why i i I start drafting pitchers late but i pat i just keep drafting them um and it annoys the heck out of the people i draft with um and that's the other thing i think i I didn't get to i didn't have space to put it in that article but I, i wrote about I wrote about it in general, just the idea that um, you, you the wave with the waiver wire, you you psychologically just have to know who your who your opponents are. You have to yep. know what their patterns are. You have to know that you're in this league with this guy that um, is going to make sure that the minute that a middle reliever starts warming up, like in the eighth, that they're going to be gone the next day. 
right? Like you have to know all these, all this minutia. And it's, it's like, you know, I've, I've been in this, in one league for, for decades and that that's helpful, right? Decades is a good sample size to learn people's behavior. Um, when it comes to expert leagues or other public leagues, that's a totally different thing. But usually like that's, that's for me, that's about throwing out bait. Like, did you guys see this, that Roto Warp, you know, RotoWire article? Did you guys get behind the paywall at Baseball HQ? Did you read this? Did you like, and you can suss out some beautiful information. Like it's all, it's all there. Um, and then you'll not, you know, that's that's when I can strike. Ooh, someone giant, else is popular. That's it's a giant game of chess is what it is. Um, it is. It's glorious. Another question from your um, your little essay there is, uh, you mentioned rest of season projections, which I think is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's a great point. I know Steamer does rest of season projections. Some other sites do as well. Mm-hmm. I know HQ does. I'm not going to throw that one out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to be the company man here, but uh, which <laughs> which which ones do you like to use to kind of combine with uh, you know two to four week trends? Use some rest of season projections because they're all good in their own ways. That's why that's why I like to mention them all. They all have validity to what yes. they do. So what do you prefer to use? And I'll, well, I'll just add to that question. I'll make the question harder for you too. Is like, <laughs> so yes, there's all the sources. I also use Raz. Razball does that. Not yeah. many other people have is the weekly projections. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're some awesome. Of, some of the best in the game. Period. Like, there's mm-hmm. no denying that. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you combine that with the rest of the season? Do you like? Do you? How do you? How do you manage all of those things? So when I first found FanGraphs, I became in, I became a lunatic. And I mean, I know what uh, the ATC does a kind of aggregate of three or four different systems, right? I, I mean, I, I'm not, I was not the first person to do this, certainly, right? Like, but I aggregated everybody's progression, <laughs> you know, projections. I created a giant monster spreadsheet. I looked to see, you know, I basically used projections early on in my career to, um, to kind of kill bias and be like, you know, like, yes, I'm excited and think hobby bias can go 40, 40, but like, is he really going to do that? Every system says he's not going to do that. Um, you know, but it, so right now, as of right now, I use Razball, I use Baseball HQ, um, and I use, uh, I, I use the the bat. I can't remember which one on um, fan graphs yeah. I use. I aggregate those three at the beginning of the season. After that, um, it's really dicey, I got to say, because I don't know, like Yahoo has their own little system. They're like a, and I think I made this reference somewhere. I'm not sure if anyone got it. It's like, um, I don't know if you play Japanese role-playing video games, but they have this, it's all about hidden numbers. You don't, you know, you're attacking something. You don't actually know how many hit points it has left. With Yahoo, with their projections, I never know where the, where the math is coming from, especially <laughs> when it's rest of season. You'll have a guy that's you'll have like like Bellinger or other players that have just are massively like you know they haven't got a hit in thirty days but they're still somehow projected to hit thirty five home runs. So I've stopped looking at those um, in season. It just it's kind of all lean on Razball and um, what I'll do is basically take the current season um, totals and I will weigh that against the rest of the season to kind of create a fake a false full season statistics. Um, it's not foolproof, um, but it, it feels a little bit better. And it's also, it's a better hedge when you use the trade analyzer function, which a bunch of different sites have. And they'll tell you like, 
your trade is totally fair. And then you'll go on the next one. It'll say, no, you're getting hosed. Um, and you're looking at the, the projection outputs and they're just bizarre. Um, and here's the thing. I don't know how to build those things. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I am a mere, I'm a mere uh, mortal. Um, yep. So I depend, I'm, I'm a leech on them. I'm not, don't, don't take my criticism as scorn. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, I, I, I'm totally not smart with any of that stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, I just suck up where I can find it and we go from there hundred percent with you. And what I did enjoy sucking up was the content that you wrote there at baseball HQ in the forecaster carry. So we are going to wrap it up there as it's yep. been an awesome time with you and um, thanks for joining us, man. It's been, it's been great. Look forward to uh, yeah. chatting with you. Yeah. Good luck, guys. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, Happy holidays. On Twitter at Huge Days. Ryan, this has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Um, we're going to wrap things up here as well. But, hey, two successful HQ shows. That's all I got to say. Yeah, this was this was awesome to do the, the, the player box, kind of trading war stories on Wednesday night and then tonight uh, going more essay-wise. So um, I thought it was it was cool to kind of just – talk to folks and give them the yeah. chance to talk a little bit more about their work. So um, we are going to have a, a live show in like two weeks, mid-December mid that I'm going to host with, um, with Brenton, Ray and Ron. Ryan froze. I was answering for him. Was, he's his Brenton, Ray and Ron. I'm pretty sure. So he'll get you filled in on that and much, much more, but uh, we'll wrap things up there as Ryan's got daddy duties to go take care of. Is a Friday afternoon for us, Friday evening for you at home if you're watching live. But it'll be uh, we'll be back to you guys next week. Another episode of Bub in the Bloom will not be a forecaster episode. I don't think. Who knows? It was a blast. We could have talked about this for a long time with these guys. But hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any questions? Let us know. We're gonna get you ready for the 2023 season before you know it. We're already into December, already in the draft season. But for now, everybody, check out Ryan on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. I'm Matt B. Dantrick. We'll catch you guys next time. <laughs>